What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. So our goal for this book is to be in love with Jesus. There is a uh, clip that I want to show you from one of the most profound, in-depth movies ever created. And to me, this is the goal of going through this book. Jeremy, if you can play that clip for me, please. If you've never seen Elf, oh, it's really good. <laughs> to be so in love with Jesus that we don't care what people think, what people say. I remember early times talking with Colleen before we were married, you know, on the phone. And there's just like this, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. And we talk until the hours. And then she'd catch me falling asleep. No, no, I'm not sleeping. I'm not sleeping. There was a, there's a passion early on where it's consuming all of your thoughts and you can't think about anything. Some of us in our marriages, listen, as we read this, obviously this is Jesus and his bride, but it's, it's also you and your spouse. And so we want to awaken love in this place because as our vertical love increases for Jesus, our horizontal love is going to increase as well because we realize, man, the things that we see right after the honeymoon's over, oh, my spouse has this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue, and now I start loving them or not loving them depending on how they treat me. Right? So it's a, it's a joke, you know, discussions, get a little heated, arguments, you know, Mad at each other, go to bed that night. Usually, fellas are like, "Hey, I, I'm still, I'm still available." <laughs> ladies, it's off the table. Do you know why it's off the table, ladies? Because can't get past how they're treating me. I can't give love if I'm not receiving love. I've got to treat somebody as they deserve it. And we've got our focus on a person's behavior and not the focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because God loves me despite me. He moves towards me with a passion despite my performance. And by the way, another goal, that performance would die. That we'd put it in the grave and we would never, ever, ever be focused on performance. 
Some of you are like, Chris, we haven't even gotten to verse one yet. Yeah, I don't care about performance, okay? <laughs> Actually, turn to 1 Corinthians 13, please. So, real simple goal, that we would become more in love with Jesus, and out of that love, we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. The first commandment is first, and the second comes out of the first. And so, God forgive us for sometimes loving his bride more than we love him. I, 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 I'm guilty of that. I was guilty of that this week. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1, if I speak in the tongues of man and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. And then, if you feel led, you can put Jesus' love, right? Jesus is kind. Jesus is patient. Jesus is all these things, guys. And sometimes we look at this as this loving people, but understand this is how Jesus loves us. He keeps no records of wrong because all of our records, according to Colossians 2, they're nailed to the cross and they're not coming down. Every legal charge that stood against us, they're on the cross. Don't let Satan bring them back down on you with shame and guilt. And don't let people around you bring them back on you with shame and guilt. Well, you did this or you always or you never. You're not allowed to do that in the body of Christ. You can't use the past. This is not the history channel. Your past is gone. He separated as far as the east is from the west. And so when I walk in love, I don't bring up stuff that my wife did yesterday or last week and say you always or you never. I never do that. I've done it maybe a couple times. Yeah, denial is just not a river in Egypt. We want to be a place known by love. Now, for the last nine weeks, we have done a series called I Will Build My Church. And so I want you to get a glimpse of kind of where we've gone here. This is where we feel like the Lord kind of leading us as a body, right? We spent a long time in Revelation. Whew, the fear of the Lord, the wrath of God. The coming king, it is finished. World events, right? Hey, listen, we're in the last days. So, man, we went through that series, and it was just heavy because all of the wrath of God, all of the justice of God, because God is just. If he's not just, he's not good. And a lot of us struggled with that because we've learned about the sloppy agape Jesus that never confronts, never rebukes, never speaks the truth in love. No, love and truth go together because it's a two-edged sword. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses. But Jesus comes as a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, and that's grace and truth. And so you can't have grace without truth, and you can't have truth without grace. Legalism, sloppy agape. Revelation is 
So there's a fear and a reverence. And then we say, okay, how can we build our, this church, God? How can we build this church? And we talked about the gifts and the fivefold. And by the way, this is the announcement. If you haven't taken the gift test yet, it's only good until this Saturday. We sent it out to everybody, and we've gotten results back. Again, it doesn't mean that's what you are. So just don't go out of here. I took the test. I'm an apostle. I'm putting it on my business card. Don't do that. We've talked about that. Your gift needs to be affirmed by the community. So, for example, my son is away right now, six-month mission trip, and he's almost done. He's coming back. I'm really excited. And the reason why we did that is because I've seen the statistics of kids going off to college and a high percentage of them walk away from their faith when they go off to college because they're disconnected from the church and they're not grounded in the word of God because God never called the youth pastor to disciple your children. God has called parents to disciple their children. The youth pastor is a help, but it's the parent's responsibility. Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, when you teach them on the way, when you lay down, right? Your responsibility, mom and dad, is to disciple your kids. It's not the church. I don't ever want to hear here. I raise my kids in the church. No, you're supposed to raise them in your home, your church. You are the pastor of your home. And the reason we have young people walking away because there's no plan for discipleship with our children. Proverbs 22 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. That Hebrew word means this. God has given them a bent. He's made them a certain way. And trained them up in their God-given bent. They're not going to be like you. I know you wanted to be a college baseball star. But guess what? What if they play violin? Don't try to make them like you. How did you make them, Father? And I want to train them up to their bent. You'd never do that apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Chris, you're on parenting. I know. My son's fivefold gift came back as shepherd and prophet. Dad's prophet, apostle. While my son was away on mission, wherever you went, Little kids came to him, connected with him. He's been doing outreaches since he was 11 years old. Loves kids, passionate about kids. But God began to confirm that in his life. And so his bent, shepherd, prophet, prophet, ooh, whoever's his boss, he's going to tell you how to do your job. After the first week, This is what you need to change. And the key when we understand these gifts is to not get offended by people who don't like what we're doing. See, the prophets, we need the prophets even though they're irritating. I've had people go through things. This is stupid. That's wrong. I would do it this way. I would do it that way. Oh, gosh, this guy's a prophet. Help me to turn the other cheek. Help me to listen. Help me to not get offended. What is true here, God? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? So we understand the gifts. We also understand the weaknesses. But Listen, if you haven't taken that test, it's only good till this Saturday. What's your bent? Who's God made you to be? Let's go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter 4. We want to focus on love, love, love. 
Love, love, love. Being in love with Jesus. Some of my teachers that are here, teachers, you have a certain bent, and this book is going to be hard for you, Jacob. What's the doctrinal exegesis? And Sometimes with the exegesis, we can exit Jesus. So we have to be careful because Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures. And Jacob, I'm not talking about you, by the way. I'm talking about the other teachers in here, okay? I'm kidding. You search the scriptures, and they're all about me, and you're missing me. You're missing me. First Kings 429, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure. First Kings 429, and breath of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people in the east and all the people of Egypt, all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrite, Haman the Calcol, Darda the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. Verse 32, this is important. He also spoke 300 proverbs, or 3,000, excuse me. Jeez, my wife's correcting me again. I'm kidding, baby. I need you. (laughs) 3,000 proverbs and 1,005 songs. The book of Proverbs encompasses a lot of those Proverbs, those wise sayings. And then there was a thousand and five songs, and this is a song. This is his most famous song. There are some scholars that believe that somebody wrote this for Solomon. But most scholars believe Solomon wrote this. Here's my issue with this. And this is going to set the table for for where I'm going. Uh, This is about one girl, and Solomon had over a thousand concubines. By the way, that's not very wise. So you may be wise in, in all kinds of dealings, but like Samson, you may have something that takes you out. And that took Solomon out because he disobeyed God. God told the kings... In uh, Deuteronomy 17, I believe, read the first five books, you'll find it, um, (laughs) where it says, only have one king, or excuse me, one queen, (laughs) you know, only marry one woman. Why? Because when you, when you marry multiple women, they're going to bring their gods, and it's going to corrupt your heart. And so God gave that rule to David. David disobeyed. That was his downfall as well, Bathsheba. Now, just because somebody has a downfall, it doesn't mean that we cancel them like our culture does today. If that happened, everybody would be canceled in our whole Bible except for Jesus. And Enoch, I can't, there's, you know. He walked with God and was no more. Like, ah, there was nothing bad about him. Anyway. 
But I know he sinned because the Bible says all have sinned. Some of you guys um, are like, I don't journal. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But if I could, I would slap you with the Bible. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'll slap you right up the head with the Bible. So, so listen, God journaled. He journaled 66 books. And you're called to be like God. Get out of, you know, your, your beer belly, long beard, you know, tr- uh, gun-toting, whatever, and get in touch with the feminine side. Paul says to the church in Thessalonian, I, I was with you like a mother nursing her child. So here's the Apostle Paul who was harder and stronger and more of a man than anybody in this place right now. No offense, dudes. And he wrote letters too. Journaling is just a letter to God. So I want you to look at, I'm going to open up my life to you real quick. I want you to turn to Song of Songs 1, please. I've, I've purchased this little ESV journaling book. It's really, really small. It's really, really cheap. You can get it on a website that I don't want to say. But in that, it has chapter 1, and it has the first five verses. And then, on the side, it has a place where you can write. So I want you to look at... Verse 2, real quick. Let him kiss me with the kisses of my mouth, for love is better than wine. And some of us in our marital relationship, right? I need wine in order to love that person. That's not in my journal, by the way, but those are, I'm just kicking facts. Listen, not only will we see revival to the love of God, but also revival in your life, in your marital life, in your relational life. And so with that, I'm, I'm, I journal through it. And so this is what I say, Jesus, this is our song. May my heart cry, and it does, for greater intimacy with you. To know such a deep closeness, that's what kissing is. Forget about the kissing. There's this deep, intimate closeness. Nothing can fill, not wine, not money. Nothing is better than your love, God. Help me to believe that. See, if I believe that, I wouldn't scroll so much on my device because that's what satisfies. That's my go-to. That's, I would press into love more. Some of us can read that, your love is better than wine, but we don't believe that because if we believe that, we wouldn't be waiting for happy hour. Verse 3. 
I just wrote down, come, God, and anoint me because your oils are fragrant. Your name, Jesus, is like oil poured out. No wonder those who are pure love you. When you see that word virgins, just put pure. Those who are pure love you. Those who are not pure don't love you, Jesus. And so I want to challenge you to journal through this, to make this book a prayer to Jesus. To make your relationship that you see in this text here, because what we see in this text, this is how I want my relationship to be with Jesus. And we're going to see her come, a start where, where the girl that's like, don't even look at me, don't even gaze at me. And then at the end in chapter 8, she's like, I was like one who finds peace in his eyes. You know, I was making out with my wife pre-marriage. We were standing up, I think. By the way, I don't recommend that, by the way. Get an accountability couple. But hot lips Colleen couldn't, she couldn't. You know, she needed more prayer support. So me and Colleen already went through this, and she's already, I didn't share that one with her. Sorry, babe. But she's like, yeah, Chris, you can't say that. Yeah, Chris, you can't say that. So this is why she's such a good helper. But I remember at times distinctly where I was, my eyes were open and I was looking at her. And she's like, can you please stop looking at me? Now, here's a guy that was uh, desperate, uh, that had been um, celibate for many years. And I was probably looking at her in a way that was creeping her out. And she's kind of like, can you not look at me like that, please? Now, there's also a flip side of that, all right? Because a lot of people have intimacy issues. Early on in my discipleship, I was mentored by this guy who worked out at Dunklin. In my first meeting with him, he says, hey, I want you to put my, your arms on my shoulder, and I want you to look into my eyes. And this is, I'm like in a room that's closed with another dude, and he's wanting me to look in his eyes, and I'm like, bro, you're creeping me out, homie. Well... But as I looked in his eyes, I, I kept laughing. Do you know why I kept laughing? Intimacy issues. I was immature. I couldn't look. Now, guys, you don't need to be looking in guys' eyes, okay? That is a little creepy. But I've... So there's a couple ways to interpret this. There's a natural interpretation, which most people interpret this book as, which is for marriage. This is going to help you in your marriage. And yeah, I agree with that. It will help you. But there's also an allegorical interpretation. And this is how I'm going to go through it. Basically, like the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a story, but the story has meaning. Okay? And so, 
for this study, I'm going to teach it not for the purpose of marriage, but for Jesus being him and the bride being her. Uh, Watchman Nee, and by the way, if you've never read Watchman Nee's book, Gerard, where are you, Gerard? Thank you, bro. Gerard gave me this. This is a great book, but this is how Watchman Nee teaches it as well. Watchman Nee spent 20 years in prison, and he's just an amazing man of God. It's huge impact on my life through his books. And so many people have interpreted it like this. And this is what Watchman Nee says. He says, Ecclesiastes speaks of a wandering life. Song of Songs speaks of rest from wandering. Ecclesiastes tells us that one can obtain satisfaction through knowledge alone. How many of us just want to be smart? We want to know. We want to have the right answers. We want to win the debate. We want to win the argument. But Song of Song tells us that man can only reach satisfaction through love. You're never going to be satisfied unless you're in love with God. Nothing satisfies in this world. It wants you to keep coming back for more. That was the problem with me doing drugs, cocaine, when it would run out. We needed more. And then everybody would leave at the same time. The party's over. Why? We're out of drugs. We need more to satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is Christ and Christ alone. Nothing from this world satisfies. And some of us have been so raised in a performance culture This is why nine weeks on I will build my church. Listen, some of you are not ready to build the church because you haven't received the love of God yet. And for you to build at this time will buy into your performance. And you need to just sit back and just receive the love of God. There's three main characters in this book. Jesus, I believe he's the real king. And so wherever you see he, if you want to put Jesus, that will help you. The Shulamite woman. Shulamite, dynamite, right? That's the one. That's his dove. That's his perfect one. That's the beautiful one. That's the one where he says, turn away from me. One look from your eyes ravishes my heart. Ooh. Does God look at you like that? Yes, he does. And we'll get into that. The Shulamite woman. That is the bride of Christ, not collectively, but individually. Individually. And then there's the daughters of Jerusalem. And by the way, the daughters of Jerusalem would represent, I believe, the majority of the church. The majority of the church in an immature state. Why do we say that? Because they love Jesus, but never attain the same degree of intimacy that the Shulamite woman does. They don't understand why she's so passionate. They don't understand why she leaves everything. They don't understand why she's so consumed. They want to hear more, but they never go into him themselves to get more. It's just like the children of Israel. They, Moses, you go talk to God. We don't want to go up there. And here's what breaks the heart of God. And this is why we've given you advance to get into Song of Songs chapter one before the pastor. 
because I believe Jesus sees the church in America showing up on Sunday, waiting for what the pastor says, rather than you going to the Holy Spirit, who is the one that's going to lead you and guide you into all truth, looking towards that with a greater expectation that he's the teacher and not my pastor. What are you saying, God? I want you, Jesus. And we put him first and instead in the church. It's Sunday morning. I can't wait to hear, but I never get in the book before. Don't do that here. We want revival here. And that's letting the Holy Spirit go first. You and him alone. That's why we do books like this. Because we want you to be in love with Jesus. Early on in my marriage, I had thoughts, especially pre-marriage. If you can relate, fellas, don't raise your hands. I don't want you sleeping on the couch. What if I misheard you, God? What if she's not the right one? What if she leaves me? What if she cheats on me? What if she... And all these things. See, I was immature in my love because I didn't know her. Let me just tell you, here we are 20 years later, 20 years this year. Hallelujah. Do you know something? None of those questions even come to my mind. My heart completely trusts her. I know she's never going to leave me or forsake me. I know she's not going to cheat on me. I know that. Those questions don't even arise. Well, why did they arise then? Because I was immature. I didn't know her. Some of you who've been Christians for 10 years, you still have thoughts. I wonder if I'm really saved. I can't really trust God to step out of the boat and walk on water. And guess what? Unless you step out of the boat, you'll never walk on water. And so because we're not convinced that we can trust the one who says, come to me, we just stay on the boat like everybody else. Because we are not grown in our love with God. And so this Shulamite woman, she grows in her love and she is completely different in chapter eight than she is in chapter one. And it is marvelous and it is overwhelming and it is amazing. And I pray this happens with us. But so many of us, we're like these ones that are the daughters of Jerusalem. That want to stand on the outside that want to worship from afar. We know about God, but do we know God? Do we really, really know God? I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles 6, 9. So again, those are the characters, Jesus, the Shulamite, the daughters of Jerusalem. It's in Chronicles 6, 9. This is what it says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth 
to give strong support. Another translation says, to show himself strong to those who are, whose heart is blameless. Now, that word blameless can also be translated loyal, fully com- committed, or undivided. You might want to write that down there. Second Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Chronicles 16.9. What did I say? Did you guys pray for me when I was praying for myself? Were you, were you agreeing? Y'all know I need help. Because I'm not a teacher. Numbers don't matter. Details don't matter. And somebody, some people are so legalistic, hey, don't quote it and then, then not give the verse. Let, let me tell you what Jesus did. He said, Isaiah said. So at least I'm giving you the chapter of Isaiah. <laughs> Jesus, he's just saying, read Isaiah. It's in there. <laughs> and it's probably better for Jesus to say Isaiah, so you would read it. We've babied down. And water down. We'll put all the verses on the screen. No, you look it up. Some of you didn't know Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. So we've got to grow up. We've got to get off milk. So, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless. That means loyal. It means fully committed. And it means undivided. Undivided. Undivided towards him, fully in love. The HCSB version, which I really like, it says this, for the eyes of Yahweh roam, roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely his. There's no other lovers. My heart is just full of a love for Jesus. God's looking for those that are undivided, those that are all in. Hey, Jeremy, go ahead and put up bad feet, King Asa, please. So I had an irritating prophet at one time, and so you can pray for me. I get gout from time to time in my foot, all right? I need to lose weight. You know, I was... I was with my wife as she was getting pregnant, and I would just eat ice cream with her. And so I, she's lost her baby weight. I haven't lost mine, okay? So don't judge me. Bad joke. Anyway, I get gout, and so King Asa had bad feet. He was a king with bad feet. And so here I am walking around on crutches, and I get one of those annoying prophets in the church and say, hey, man, you need to read King Asa. And I'm like, shut up, dude. I ain't, no, I didn't say that. But in my heart, I did. Why? Because I don't want some young 20-year-old dude who just took the prophet test, and he's all on, you know, right? Who are you, bro? That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended by me. We're called to be unoffendable. So once I got past that... Still don't like the guy. Anyway, just kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Next picture, Jeremy. I read the story of Asa, and Asa did a lot of good things. Next one, Jeremy. 
So he did what was right in God's sight, and you can go read this on your own time. He did away with evil, tearing down altars, and so he was a good king. He didn't allow his family interference from doing the right thing. He removed his own mom from leadership because she was evil. Wow. I mean, that's, that's tough right there. Mom, you're out of here. And he not only got rid of the evil, he also restored the good. So he was a good king that did what was right. He reigned for 41 years in Israel. What did he do bad, though? Next slide. Instead of the first time when war came, he trusted God and there was a great victory. He went to God for help. Later on in his life, he said, you know what? Maybe I'll make an alliance. And he never went to God. He didn't receive well, the rebuke of God. If you're still in 1 Corinthians 16.9, that was a rebuke, by the way. Second Chronicles 69. <laughs> There's no such thing as, anyway. That was a rebuke. But in the middle of the rebuke, there's hope. This is what I want. This is what you're doing. This is what I want. All good rebukes should end with some hope. If you repent, there's healing. And so he actually, what I did in my heart towards the prophet, he actually did in real life and punished the prophet and threw him in jail. An Old Testament often is a picture of what's going on in our hearts. And then down to his illness from God, Asa didn't return to God for help. Now with me, I keep getting prayer. I keep returning for God. So, so that's not all me. But here's what I just felt the Lord revealed to me two weeks ago. That Chris, you're doing biblically things in a right way. You're wanting the church to be pure. You're, you're, you're really, your heart above reproach, right? Doing things by the word of God, wanting to be pure and right, and you're confronting evil and, 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 and calling things out, right? And so, so there's good in that. But guess what? There was conviction over King Asa because we can become people like the Pharisees that want to do everything right. And we forget that this is all about love. And so this, this past week, consecration week, was the worst consecration week I've ever had. Do you know why? Because it's like a hurricane came through. And there was all these different issues that I was confronting. And talking and having conversations and just literally about 12 of them came through. And here I am. Right. Dealing with because I believe that Psalm 30, 133 is true. 
that how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like the oil dripping down from the beard, the beard of Aaron. And so I'm like, God, I've got to bring unity. I've got to bring right. And I want to join you in that. And God moved and God did things. But I was so overwhelmed that I never pressed into loving Jesus for Jesus. I was just like King Asa when I forgot this whole thing was about love. Jeremy, go ahead and put up the undivided heart. We can do everything right as a church. Our worship can be perfect. The preaching can be perfect. The children's ministry can be perfect. We can have an amazing discipleship program. We can be doctrinally correct and biblically right and accurate. But if we have not love, see, we're back where we started. If I can speak of the tongues of angels and I have not love, then I'm nothing. And God is going to purify our heart during this series. That's what we're doing this series. Because we can build a church with the gifts and, and it can be amazing. But guys, this is the main thing. We can't move off the main thing. And so this is my prayer for all of us here. Pray this for me because my, my lot is not with King Asa. I am going to be a passionate lover of Jesus, and I need you to pray that for me. I want to love him with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, right? I want to do that. I do not want to just do Christianity apart from the love of God. Listen, Mary and Martha, like Mary should have been doing dishes because somebody should do the dishes, But guess what? Mary had the discernment because Jesus was in the room to not do dishes. And I didn't have the discernment to not do dishes last week. I did way too many dishes. And here's the other thing, church. This is a rebuke. So just prepare yourself. I say it in love. I wouldn't have had to do dishes if people would obey God's word. It's because people are disobeying Jesus that I got to do dishes. Now, that's my J-O-B. But come on, guys. Well, sounds like you're blaming us. No, I'm not blaming you. I made the decision. Because of the King Asa thing, wanting to do things right, wanting Psalm 133 to happen, unity, love, and affection, where people were walking with one mind, where we're considering others better than ourselves. that there's unity, because without unity, when there's division, it grieves the Holy Spirit, it grieves God's presence. And John, 1 John, 2nd or 3rd, one of them, it says, how do you say you love God and hate your brother? And we have a lot of hatred going on in the body of Christ. But I unfortunately became a Martha instead of becoming a Mary. And that's nobody's fault but mine. But I'm just telling you like it is. I'm telling you like it is. Pray this for me. During this series, I'm going to pray this for you. Forgive us for the religion. 
Forgive us for being a Pharisee. We've all been Pharisees. Kill the Pharisee in me. May I be a passionate lover of you. Kill the performance in me. May my motive... (laughs) There's a book, uh, Culture of the Few, Brad McCoy, good book. But he has a chapter, it says this, my name tag says son. That's all I am. I'm just, I'm, I'm his son. I'm his favorite, by the way. <laughs> I know it, yeah? <laughs> to be so convinced of the love of God that nothing else moves me. Temptations, when they come, not moved by those. Because I know that's never going to satisfy like his love satisfy. See, when you go after other lovers, you're not convinced of his love. And so you need to cry out that, God, as I read through this, may I be convinced of your love. Worship team, come on up, please. This was the intro, by the way. So we're going to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But you please get ahead and get more excited about your quiet time alone with God, with the word of God, than you are hearing what may be said on a Sunday morning. Father, we just come before you, we bow. And I thank you, Jesus, right now, you are searching throughout the whole world to show yourself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are undivided, are loyal, are blameless, are committed to you. And so we just, we just say, Jesus, Gaze upon us, search us and know our heart, see if there is any ways in us that are not pleasing, and lead us, lead us on right paths so that the motive of everything we do for the rest of our life is motivated because we love you. That we're convinced of your love. So we can jump around like elf. We don't care because we're in love. Overwhelm us, God, with your love. And I thank you, God, that your love, it's unsearchable. We'll never know the depths of it. But we do join with Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 that we would know how high How deep, how wide is the love of God that surpasses all understanding. God, there's more for us. Those that are asleep at the wheel, we we ask God for a revival, God. We ask God for an awakening of your love. We want a revival of love in Jesus' name. That we would be pure, pure and holy before you in love. So God, we just confess right now. We've gone after other lovers. We've put other things before you. 
We haven't really believed the verse, taste and see, that the Lord is good. We haven't believed that. And so God, I pray that you would just do what only you can do now. As we sing and worship you, may all of our affections, may all of our love be poured out on your feet, Jesus. May we never stop kissing your feet, breaking our alabaster jar, the most precious thing that we have, may it be broken at your feet, God. May our heart be completely undivided in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.